Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So I am doing uh, the final part of the This Is Me series. So I think we've been running that for about two months uh, and we get to the end of it and I, and I get to give the sort of the, the final message on it. Uh, I'm going to be speaking on uh, This Is The Leader. So that's what I'm going to be talking about to, over the course of today. But before I, before I get on to that, uh, I, I sort of feel like it's a lot of water has passed under the bridge since last I was up here. It's been quite a long time since I was up here and in that time we've had, me and my wife have had another baby, which many of you will know, so it's been awesome. Yeah, you're allowed to cheer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but also been to sort of numerous weddings. My, uh, my last remaining brother who isn't married is now married and so that was pretty cool. That We went there two weeks after Ben was born and I'm sure many people here have been to weddings with small children. It's a different experience of when you don't have any children whatsoever. It's even more weird when you've got like a tiny little one because in as much as a wedding is, is, is sort of, it's about the person who's getting married. By the way, I should point out for anyone else listening, I don't usually get up here and just tell stories about my life. This is called an introduction. I just wanted to make that really clear, everybody. You know, this is that's what this is all about. You know, this is the part. Of, this is a part of this. Just in case, you know, like I, this is the part called getting to know you, getting to know all about you. What do you think about that, eh? That's pretty good, eh? Come on. Hear that, Shell? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking earlier, I was thinking earlier, me and, me and Jim, me and Jim should start, start sort of a bit of a folk band and go around all the, we could be called Jim Jam. What do you think of that, eh? That is so good, right? I don't know what I'd do exactly, I might play tambourine or dance, but uh, it's a pretty good idea, Jim Jam. What did you prepare? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe something or other, that's what I call it. <laughs> but yes, so anyway, uh, I was telling you about the wedding that we were at, and uh, it is a very odd it's a fairly odd sort of place to be when sort of the whole focus is upon this sort of couple and, and you know my brother I've got to be one of his best men he's not very good at making decisions so he had four of them uh, <laughs> we all did one little bit it's like he put us all together and we might actually be a best man we were sort of like sort of best men maybe we didn't have the most confidence as on individually anyway uh, but the focus was on them but at the same time it was kind of on the little one and the little ones sort of running around and it's an odd experience for those of you who don't kids it's something to look forward to seriously you'll have a great time uh, but during the wedding there were sort of two fairly bizarre things that occurred to me uh, one of them was this I have a, a cousin who's uh, a couple of years younger than me and she uh, I, we knew each other very well growing up haven't seen much of each other sort of as we sort of uh, have got older as generally happens with cousins uh, unless you live in the same city with them but we see each other from time to time generally weddings uh, fortunately not too many funerals and uh, and you know say hi but the thing is she is she is really really tall like she's incredible she's enormously tall uh, and it's actually bizarre it seems like we're different species let alone like the same sort of blood relatives you know it's like she's like massive uh, and so is her husband and sort of when she comes and speaks to me she comes and gives me a hug and she's like sort of like that and she, when she speaks to me she's like that and I feel like 
I feel like I'm eight years old. <laughs> I honestly feel like eight years old. Like when she asked me about my job, I feel like I should answer well. You know, we were doing posters in class this week, and we were on the rainforest. It was awesome. Got a gold star and a smiley face, you know. When I said hello to her, it's really bizarre. It's like when I said hello to her husband, I thought he might give me a pound or something like that. <laughs> It's really weird. It's honestly bizarre. These guys are actually related to me. Anyway, they're very nice. But the other thing uh, was, and it was a bit more related to being a dad, was I, I kind of discovered a little bit of what my purpose and what my meaning of being a dad was. I, I, there's all sorts of stuff you're told, and I'm sure many of the things are very true. But the most important thing when you are a dad and you have little children is your capacity to carry stuff. It is how much stuff you can carry. You look at the amount. Going away for two nights, oh my goodness. I don't think we had anything left in our house. It was incredible. I'm glad we bought a bigger car or else we would need like a trailer or a house to mobile. There was so much stuff. I like have something balanced on my head and everything going out to the car. And I see the other dads, yeah, 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 I get it. We all knew, we all knew. It's all about how much you can carry, your weight distribution and everything. <laughs> How many trips can you reduce it down to? Do you want to reduce it down? Because maybe that trip might actually give you a bit of a break. You know, it's all that sort of stuff. You have to play it by ear. So it's not hey, like, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> don't blame the player, blame the game. <laughs> but, uh, it was a really bizarre thing. But it was very much, I realised that a very large part of my... Because there's very little I can do for a little baby. I can hold it while it cries. But really, I'm just holding space until Laura actually gets in and, and does the good stuff. Uh, uh, but I guess I can change nappies. I don't like to, but I can. Uh, but, but carrying stuff, that's something I'm good at. And uh, it was a bit much to ask Laura to do that as well. So <laughs> I have to wait till Nathan's a bit older. But he's a little bit aimless. He probably would have put it in someone else's car. <laughs> he probably would have put Ben in someone else's car. <laughs> Almost certainly. Sorry, Dad. Anyway, but the reason I mention this, as I said, it's an introduction. It does have a point. Uh, is what I want to talk about is leadership. And very much like being a dad of newborn children, being a leader is very much to do with carrying stuff. How much stuff can you carry? What's that about? And that's, uh, and that's really a little bit about what I want to talk tonight. I want to bring a message. I want to bring something of great revelation that is applicable to every single person's life. This is not a, uh, a message for those who aspire to stand on stage or to be heads of departments or anything like that. This is a message for the church. This is a message for every single person here. This is a message about leadership, but leadership in your life and uh, we're called to lead our lives we're called to have thoughts and, 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 and God gave us a mind gave us capacity to think and to uh, be responsible in situations and so that's a little bit about what I want to talk about tonight uh, tonight today uh, and so this is the This Is Me series this is talking a lot about just uh, where, where we are in the church this talks about the church who it is where we fit within the church and, and how the church is all of us and what we bring to it and the core the, the sort of the, the key text that we've been reading from is Matthew 16 13 to 19 and so I will uh, I will start off there uh, and this is Jesus just to set the setting this is uh, Jesus and he's sort of speaking with his disciples uh, and he asks them some questions so when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi he asked the disciples saying who do men say that I am the son of uh, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So some, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is a great, uh, a really momentous passage. The first time church is mentioned where, where, where Jesus brings forth this concept of church and, and almost births it right there. And he, and he talks to, to Peter and, and, and he sort of says, you are the rock on which I'll build. You're, you are part of the church. You are, you are the rock on which I will build my church. And it's a very, it, it also, and this is coming a little bit more from the point of view of, of, of leadership, it's actually a very great example of leadership from Jesus because leading is not pushing. Now, I want to give a bit of an example. I've left something down here, which I didn't mean to leave. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm going to need a volunteer in a second, but uh, it's all right because I've already decided who that volunteer is going to be. Uh, and uh, as I was sort of talking about uh, extremely tall, freaky people earlier, I'd love to sort of everyone put their hands together and welcome up uh, Neil Monroe as he comes up on the stage. <laughs> uh, get up here, Lutch. <laughs> now, some of you might remember he did an awesome preach last week. He made loads of jokes about my age. Boy, was it funny. <laughs> they say that, what is it, some, some dishes are best served cold? Gazpacho? Take, take away the, the revenge that's the one yes so I'm going to do a bit of an experiment here so we can all we can all get this okay so I would like you to put this on this is very fashionable very fetching you want to put it on so that uh, which way forward no no the green bit forward come on it's environmentally friendly <laughs> now come on you know you, if you cheat you're just cheating yourself so make sure that you can't see now can I get a microphone please thank you very much Now, Neil, what I would like you to do is, if you could just take this, this is a microphone, if you hold it up to your face. Uh, <laughs> Can't see my mouth. Now, what we're going to do is, I'm going to demonstrate a little bit of leadership here. Now, what I would like you to do is, I'm going to take you places. I'm going to take you places through multiple means. What I would like you to do is express your feelings to everybody here. Tell people how you feel about this experience, what the emotions that you feel as you do it. Rage. Now, uh, rage, yeah. <laughs> Now, what I'd like you to remember is we're up on stage right now. There is a ledge in front of us. There's all sorts of expensive equipment, especially my laptop. Uh, and you are very tall, so if you fall, it is a long way down. Uh, now, what I'm going to do first is I'm going to push you, okay? I'm going to push you. So I would like you to just go where I push you and feel okay about it, all right? Here we go. I'm, just gonna actually, I'm actually just going to turn you around a few times so you have absolutely no idea where you are. I know where you're standing, so you need to move as well. So there you go, point, actually. You should have kept that thought to yourself. <laughs> anyway, here we go, here we go. Oh, awesome. Right, so I'm going to push you. Tell us what, how you feel about this. Come on, a bit faster, eh? Is this... Here we go, here we go, here we go. There we go, all right, now come on, here we go, here we go. Right, come on, here we go. Now oh, come on, a bit faster, come on, Neil, come on, Neil. I'm trying to get you somewhere. <laughs> all right, here we go. Right, is this a particularly comfortable experience, Neil? 
<laughs> How about this? Not top ten. Right. How about this? How about you follow me, okay? Right? Well, let's not get too close here. <laughs> and it's me. It's like I'm an orangutan around my shoulder. <laughs> oh, <isn't it? laughs> my goodness. Big boy steps, <laughs> <laughs> here we go, here we go. Right, now, you seem to walk way more comfortably. Was that a much more comfortable feeling, sort of following me? Yeah. Because I'm leading you. Because I'm leading you. Can I'm leading you. Right, right. Here we go, here we go, here we go, there we go. Ah, see, you knew where you were going that time. Right, now, keep that on, keep that on. That was a much more comfortable experience, wasn't it, from when I was pushing you? Yes. You were much more willing to go where I led you, weren't you? I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> we're going to do one last experiment before we We take this away, and I'm just going to spin you around another couple of times. Here we go. Right, now just stop there, stop there. Now I want everybody to shout out instructions of where he needs to go. Direct him back to his beautiful wife, okay? Everybody at once, shout as loud as you can. Direct him back to... Come on, everybody! Yeah, shout! Right, left! Right, left! Yeah! Hey! All right, stop, 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 stop! Stop, 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 stop. By the way, that last experiment has nothing to do with my message, but that's leadership by committee, and that's why we don't do it. He didn't move anywhere. Here you go. Looks like I'm not going to get sued after all. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that was my point there, was leadership is not about pushing. When I pushed Neil there, and although he didn't say it too much, he was very hesitant. He's a big lad, and it was pretty hard shifting that. But uh, <laughs> when I had him on my shoulder, man, it was like having a fairy follow me, because he just, well, I didn't really mean that like that. I, meant, I saw Tinkerbell with the kids last night at the cinema. It was, uh, so I got, tink- I got fairies on my head, unfortunately. But uh, here's the thing. There was, Jesus gave an amazing example. There was no persuading. You don't find in the Bible, anyway, Jesus isn't persuading people. He isn't cajoling people. He isn't begging people at any point throughout the Bible. That is not how Jesus rolled. Jesus gave, an ex- as an example, was, was not a beggar. I saw, I saw this. Uh, it was really bizarre, too, because while I was putting together this message, I was walking to work one morning, and I saw this guy running with his dog. And I was, I was actually... I got up very early, earlier than usual, to do some work on my message. And as I'm walking there, it was almost like God had set it up perfectly. Because you often see, most of you guys who go to work at the same time at the same place, will know that you see the same sort of people at the same sort of time. It's just it becomes, you almost want to say hi and invite them over for Christmas and give them presents and stuff like that. <laughs> almost, not quite. But, uh, <laughs> but I saw this guy running with his dog, and I don't know whether he does it very regularly or, or whether it was the first time. It didn't look like he'd ever want to do it again because he's running with this dog, and the dog isn't on a lead, and it's just sort of following him. But you could tell the dog was totally not into it. The dog did not want to be around. This guy's running, and he gets sort of about 50 feet ahead, and he goes, oh, come on, Jake. It's Jake, I remember. Uh, <laughs> And he's like, Jake, come on. And he'd wait, and you can see the dog. Like, yeah, okay, fair enough. I'll just hurry up. As soon as he turns his back, he's like, oh, forget this. He's just sort of dawdling along. The guy, I'm walking, and this guy's running, and I'm making, I'm basically keeping step with him because wherever he's going, wherever he's leading, he's, he's basically pushing, he's cajoling, he's begging this dog to follow him along. And the dog just wasn't into it. The dog did not want.
want to run. It did not want to be there. It could not be encouraged to do so because it had not bought into what this guy was wanting to do. And as a result, as a leader, he was getting frustrated. I could see it. He was leading the way, but he wasn't getting anywhere. He wasn't actually running. He was running for a bit and then stopping, which isn't the greatest exercise technique. You know, he was, he was not getting where he wanted. Pushing and cajoling and begging is not a way of leading. It's a way of annoying the people that you're trying to lead. It's a way of getting them to stop believing. And as you notice, Jesus at no point at any time in that verse or at any point throughout his entire life did he beg, cajole, push people to do anything. But what he did do was set down a blueprint for salvation uh, that was revealed through Jesus. Now, if you read uh, earlier on in, the, um, in that chapter, you, you find there's some interesting passages, a couple of interesting passages. There's a first one where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees and Sadducees. You see, there was Sadducee. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if everyone knows that joke. I thought it was quite good. Uh, <laughs> but they, their approach to Jesus was they wanted proof. They wanted evidence. They came to him and said, well, do this, do that, give us a sign. And Jesus' response is, is a wicked, it's in verse 4, it says, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He, they, they were wanting a sign. They wanted him to prove who he was. Uh, and, and to be honest, they were trying to actually trick him and trap him. But of course, Jesus was well aware of that. But what they wanted was they wanted proof. They wanted him to sort of settle it so that it re- removed any sort of requirement for faith whatsoever. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted it to be cut and dry. They wanted him to solve it for them, for him to answer it for them, not within themselves. And then in the next uh, part, you, you see, well, actually, in, the, in the, the bit that we just read, he asks the disciples, well, who do, they, who do the people say that I am? And they come back with, you know, they think you're John the Baptist, you think you're Elijah, and all these other, all these other uh, prophets. I mean, I don't know where they would have got that from. Like what, that actually seems like quite a weird thing to say. If you ask, well, who is Jesus? Oh, well, he's one of these prophets. Where, where on earth does it say that prophets are going to be resurrected and, and, and start doing all these? That's a really bizarre thing. It actually, it, it talks in, in, once again, one of the earlier bits. Uh, I think it's around about verse 11, verse 12. Jesus said, he said, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, beware of it because it's corrupting. There's something wrong, there's something wicked about it, that, that when you ask them, who is this man, who is this man doing these miracles, oh, he must be the reincarnation of, of this prophet. I mean, it's, it's a nonsense, it actually has no place in any scripture, it's just wickedness, it's just a wicked doctrine, because it isn't actually at all who is. Who is he? Well, what, the only person that said that would come and, 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 and do these signs would be Jesus, but they weren't willing to recognize that. He said that was the yeast, the yeast within the dough, and it began to infiltrate. It was the, the, the wickedness of men, it was the uh, wisdom of men that would make people sort of come up with these crazy ideas. But what, and what he, he congratulated and what he uh, saw a great blessing in, Peter, was that he recognized Jesus. He recognized who Jesus was by ignoring all of the influences of the people, of, of flesh and blood. It says, uh, it actually says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5, it says, your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's what he demonstrated. He, he rejected flesh and blood, the mentality, the thinking, the wisdom of men. And he, and he accepted what Jesus, what, what, sorry, what, what God had placed within his heart, the wisdom of God. 
faith should not be in the wisdom of men. It should be in the power of God. And that's what he did. And Jesus may have been the son of God. He may have been the person he was, he was speaking about right in front of him. But he did not tell Peter the answer. He did not tell Peter, I am the son of God. That's what you must believe. He said, who am I? And he let the Holy Spirit reveal it in his life. See, revelation is through the Holy Spirit. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He didn't push it. He allowed Peter to come to that conclusion, to come to that place of revelation himself, because he didn't push, he led. When I was younger, uh, we used to sort of, you know, there's, there's a place in every person's life, and particularly I think, if when, maybe when you first get saved or, or if you get sort of born, if you sort of find God again I, I grew up as a Christian then sort of lost my way a bit and then kind of came back and you have this great zeal and this great enthusiasm and you just want everyone around you to know God and, and, and unfortunately that can sometimes become uh, that can get dampened over time but that's, that's a great enthusiasm it's a wonderful sort of excitement where you just see all your friends and you see the mistakes uh, or, or, or the ways in which God would bless their life and bring fullness into their life and I would go to these friends, these people I'd known my entire life, and I would, but my approach to them was uh, a foolish one because I would, try and con- I would try and convince them of God's existence by, by trying to close every single door of doubt in their life. I'd try and, sort of, I'd try and make this sort of rationale. I'd try and argue. I'd try to, to take on sort of what would be uh, a, human wis- a human wisdom, a human argument, and try and shut the door on it and, and try and reason with them and bring them to a place of understanding through, through the mind, through wisdom of men more than anything else. And what I found was it never convinced. It always fell shallow. I actually remember once having this tremendous argument. I felt as if it, there was literally no way my friend could have any way to sort of disagree with it. And he just said at the end of it, kind of sounds a little bit sort of, what was the word he said? Oh, he basically just said, it, it sounds like a very good argument. Like it just sounds like you've made this up. I haven't had any time to think about it, so I'm not really going to give it any value. And I, I was blown away by this because I thought, how could you not just take a step and just say, oh, wow, you've blown my mind. I'm going to receive God. It's because he hadn't received God. Because I just tried to convince him. Because I just tried to bring my wisdom and impose my wisdom upon him. That's not God. That's not how, that's not how Jesus did it. Jesus didn't go up to people and say, I'm God. He's the all the reasons why. He just lived a life. And people saw that he was God. I, I, and, and you notice that. He never, he never philosophizes. He, he, Jesus' life, that, st- that stuff sells itself. I, I, I have this Tumblr that I follow called, uh, it's called Breathtaking Destinations. Breathing, to be honest, I'm going to unfollow it pretty soon because they put about a thousand pictures a day. Sometimes when, when you're looking out the window at work, it just makes you feel a bit bad about yourself. But, uh, <laughs> but these pictures are amazing. And I, I was thinking about it, thinking, they are portraits from heaven. These are things that God drew. These are things that God designed. The places in our world, and you look at them, and they are awe-inspiring. They are incredible. Jesus' life was incredible. And when you looked at it, when you looked at the fullness of Jesus' life, when you looked at the world around us, there is, that stuff sells itself. There is a God because you can see there's a God because that stuff doesn't happen by accident. That stuff doesn't just happen on a whim. It happens because it was plants and there was purposes and there's a God in heaven who has defined that. See, Jesus walked Peter right up to the door, right up to the door, right up to the threshold. But he didn't push him. He didn't push him over it. He just said, who, who am I? Who do they say I am? Who do they say I am? He asked the right questions, but he allowed Peter to receive the answer from God. 
He allowed him to receive from God. He didn't tell him what the answer was. He didn't tell him what the truth was. He allowed Peter to get to that place himself. Have you ever heard uh, a comedian on the TV or, or even seen one? And they tell a joke. And it's so funny because you already know the answer before he says it. Or he doesn't even need to say the answer. You just get it. Some of you know what I mean. So they tell that joke and the punchline's funny because it's just, it occurs to you. It's, it's, it's something like that, not totally like that, but it's something like that, that, that the question is asked, but the answer is not one that you are told, it is one that you receive. It is one that you is revealed into your life. And it's that way for all of us. As a child, you might be told about God and told about Jesus as you're growing up, and it might be something that forms, it forms a basis and a foundation, but I can tell you from growing up that way, there is still a point of choice. There's still a position, a plan, where you need to receive that yourself. And it's been amazing. We've done a NRG over the last couple of years, and there have been times where we've had uh, you know, uh, children from other churches whose, whose parents are pastors or in leadership, and, and sometimes they respond to the message. Uh, and, and it's not that they had not been receiving God at any point, or, or they didn't believe in God at any point. It was just, it was a point of decision in their life. They just realized... This is something I've got to choose for myself. This is something I'm making my decision, not one that is annexed onto my parents' decision, but one that I take. And when you see those young people do that, it's an inspiring thing. It's a fantastic thing. I think about them and I think about the mistakes I made. I am so glad that they, they, they have made that choice as a young person because, my goodness, it saves you a bunch of problems. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. There's actually something pretty similar in the Bible. It says in Revelation 7, 17, it says, For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What I'm saying there is the Lamb, Jesus, may lead you to living fountains, but he won't make you drink from the waters of life, because he is a gentleman, because he will allow you to get to that place yourself. And that is what leadership, leadership welcomes the point of decision. It welcomes it. A strong leader doesn't try and make that decision for another. God gives a person free will. In fact, it's something that he, the fact that he gives us as mankind, he gives us as people, free will is, is such a gift to us and it makes us so special in his eyes because it means that when we, when we choose him, it is something that is born of ourselves. It's not something that's been forced or imposed upon us. It's something where we've had a ref- We've seen God and we've understood God and we've received God. Insecurity seeks to take that choice away and replace it with control. That's what, the, that's what religion was. That's what all those religious leaders, all of those uh, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, they wanted control. They wanted stuff that was defined. They wanted to put everyone in their box. They wanted to have themselves at the top of those boxes and they wanted to just have control, control over situation because there was a security in control. It's... It's, it's, a bit of a, it's, it's a falsehood, it's not true, but it certainly gives the impression of it. Uh, control because they doubt. Control because they have a lack of confidence. In what? In the Holy Spirit. And that's in ourselves, we have to look at that. When we are trying to impose, trying to force, trying to cajole, trying to beg, where does that come from? That comes from a place of insecurity. That comes from a place of not trusting God. Of not, of not having confidence in the Holy Spirit to move in that moment. That's lack of faith. That's disbelief. It's what holds us back. It what hems us in where we try to control every single circumstance in our lives, every single thing. 
but not allow God the opportunity to move, the opportunity of God to bring in that just that supernatural. The next uh, season we're going to be doing, and and, and that was the first time I'd seen that video, that was awesome, talks about how you're born natural, but we're, we're created to be supernatural. We're created to live with God and to allow God to move in our lives, and that's what that's what it's about. That's what faith is about. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's not having that doubt, that lack of confidence in the Holy Spirit, substituting it for control. God isn't insecure. He is a good father. When you look at the, uh, the parable about the uh, prodigal son, the amazing thing about that is there's so many, I mean, it's such a layered and, uh, and beautiful description of God and, 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 and his relationship with people. But... It's the fact that as the good father and as the son says, I, I don't want to be here any longer. I want to, I want to go and experience other things. God, God lets him go. God as the father is, is represented. He lets him go. He lets him go into the world. In fact, he, packs, he gives him blessings to go forth. He doesn't hold him because he doesn't want to have a son there who doesn't want to be there. He allows him to go home, but then he opens up his arms when he comes back. He's ready because he knows that what he, his son has sampled, has tasted in his home he will never taste anything better. He doesn't need to convince him of that. He doesn't need to say, no, 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 I think you're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. You shouldn't go away. Seriously, you should stay here. I'll be so lonely without you. No, he doesn't say any of that stuff. He says, he says look, I'll, I'll send you on your way. I'll send you on your way. But when he comes back, man alive, is he, ex- is he excited? There is a confidence in God. You're not a begging, not an insecure God. He is confident allowed to allow us to receive him and receive his love. Leadership is about serving people yeah. it's about serving people a, a leader creates a platform from which others can build and fulfill God's purposes I, I think I look and this whole series has really uh, just made it very clear but you look at the church and it's like it's a collage of all the different personalities and characters within it where God has drawn people from different backgrounds, different experiences, different education, different countries and brought them all in together but brought them all together for a purpose. Yeah. Unified as a wall. You sort of think of a wall. I had this idea of a wall in my head, uh, a strong, mighty wall, but, you know, bricks of different color, you know, just different places, different experiences, different backgrounds, all coming together, all standing as one and just serving one another, a body that serves one another. Like Jesus, a leader's goal is to see others propel the kingdom forward on their behalf, to see them propel. See, you think about Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of everything. But everything that goes on in the church is on his behalf. Because he's in heaven. He set, he set forth. He founded the church. And everything that happens, everything that happens today is on his behalf. But, it's, but, but he has a confidence. He has a, a leadership, a capacity to know that he can leave that with others. That's the way it is with leaders here. Kevin Shell can't do absolutely everything here. Maybe when it was small and they were building it up, it could. But today, it is impossible. They can't, they can't do the job that they do now if they're, if they're doing kids' work upstairs, if they're getting the teas and coffees ready, if they're welcoming everyone in. They have other jobs. They have other people. It builds up. It creates a wall, something that is more powerful, more strong, because we are serving one another. And you create that platform. Kevin and Cheryl came here. They created a platform in which we could all come and we could all build and we could all build into other people. And we could sort of create space for other people to serve and to fulfill the kingdom of God and that's what the kingdom of God is it's a thing that grows a thing that builds upon one another when God said when Jesus said to Peter you are the rock in which I'll build this build my church there's actually something really profound in that because with a rock 
you can put another rock on top of it, and you can put another rock on top of that. When you think about Peter, he was, he was a person in which the church was founded, the first person almost, you might say, in that church. Well, you know what? A few days later, or a few months later, maybe it was years, I'm not 100% sure, but he went forth and he preached a message, and 3,000 people were added to that church. They were built upon him because he was the platform. He was ground one. Here's the thing about Peter. He did all of that stuff. Today, he isn't with us. He might have been the rock on which the church was built, but he's not here anymore. He's in heaven. The church is built with us. It's built with the people coming forth, a brick upon brick, a rock upon rock. When you receive Christ into your life, you become a rock. You get built into that wall. You get built into that kingdom, and other people can be built on top of that. It's an awesome experience to just know that you are a part of this this wider, this living, this this continually, perpetually moving forward kingdom that is God's and it goes forth like every like Peter everyone who commits their life to God has the capacity to lead because they have the foundation of truth within their being there's a truth within your being when you receive Christ into your life your life is a rock why is it a rock because what you've received is unshakable it's unmovable it endures forever it says in Colossians uh, 2 8 to 10, it says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to God. For in him, sorry, according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you, that means you, are complete in him who is the head of all principality and all power you are complete in him you are a rock what is placed within inside you is immovable because God is immovable because what Christ did is immovable because that truth endures forever because it is the completeness because it is the fullness of the Godhead bodily because it is all prince power over principality it is head Receive that into your life. It is not, you are a leader, you are a rock because what has been placed within the side of you has the power to move. It has a power to save all mankind. And what is that truth? Well, Peter said it best. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. Acknowledging, revealing, allowing it to be sort of put into your being. Who was Christ? Who is Christ? What do his actions on earth mean? What does dying on a cross mean? He is a son of God. And what he came back was to pay the price of sin in our lives. To pay the price of every mistake. To pay the price of every shortcoming that we might have in our lives. Because he was the son of God. And when we realize that, when we accept that into our life, when that is the truth that we allow to click and receive, it moves us into a place of relationship with him. And that truth comes on the inside. And you are made a rock. You are made everlasting and immovable because that truth is what underpins you. That truth is what founds you. It says in John 14 verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We are the church We are built together. We are built on that principle of knowing that Jesus, he was the son of God. 
And we are a church and he is the cornerstone. Why is the church immovable? Why is the truth within it immovable? Because God sits at the very centre. Because Christ is the cornerstone. He is the, he is the linchpin in the whole operation. He is the immovable. It doesn't matter who comes and goes and passes on like Peter. What Jesus did, his, his actions reverberate. They resonate throughout time because it was an action. It was a it was a sacrifice that paid for all of mankind's shortcomings. Everything come back to him. All human frailty is covered by his extraordinary gift. Yeah. I want to give every single person here the opportunity today. Because to receive that gift, to receive that truth within your life, it changes you. It moves you into a place, a, a, a fullness of Christ, a fullness of life. A fullness of being, a fullness of knowing what you are called to be. To be a part of something greater. To become here, to be a purpose. To have purpose injected within your life. To have the capacity to allow others to be built upon you. If you're here today and, and you don't know Christ or you haven't, you, that isn't a revelation that's ever struck you before of knowing that Jesus, this, this guy who's talked about throughout history that he was the son of God I just want to allow just maybe everybody just shut their eyes I just want to give everyone their own personal space because as I said my job isn't here isn't to push you into any sort of revelation or I can't reveal anything to you but what I want to do is I want to give you a place I want to walk you to the door I want to allow you to get to the threshold and see through see through that door and see who Jesus is and see what his purpose was and see what his purpose for your life is this day.